go ahead and agree without just nodding, Dustin. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to episode 22 of the second season of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast presented by Tech Hockey Guide. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. And Matt Cavender. They haven't kicked me off yet. <laughs> We've thought about it, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> we got to work on you not purposely planning derailments for episodes. <laughs> you know, I, I put the warning in there, though, so you know when to, when I start talking, it's probably going to start cutting I know, but what I don't out, like you know? is it feels like you've already written down four <laughs> things that you purposely want to derail us with, and I and I, I, just, I don't need the extra work, Matt. I just don't. <laughs> I, I feel that, but you guys are just fun to talk to, and we always go in a great direction right. with it. This week we'll discuss NCA Bracketology... Uh, WCHA playoffs, we'll give an um, alumni update, uh, we'll highlight some things from the last Joe Sean hour of the season, we'll get to some of your questions, especially the ones on Discord, and then we'll preview the NCAA tournament. Anything I'm missing, guys? No, that sounds like about the hockey stuff that's happened this week. My brain's already trying to figure out where the derailments go. All right. Let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor and we'll come back and discuss college hockey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tech Hockey Guide is doing our bracket challenge again. So if you go to the homepage, I think Brandon is going to get a link on the menu for the bracket challenge. But if that doesn't happen by the time you've heard this, you can always go to the Bracketology article that we wrote on Saturday night. If you click on that, at the top of that, there's an updated editor's note with a link to the bracket challenge for anybody that reads that article. So go check that out if you, you're listening to this before 1 o'clock Eastern on Friday, you still got a chance to sign up and get $50 off an authentic MTU jersey, so check it out. Welcome back. Let's get right into things, and we'll start off by me dropping the name of the episode right now. When the This episode will be named 390 Days, because the day this episode drops to the public, it will have been 390 days since Michigan Tech lost a hockey game to Northern Michigan. <laughs> I like that stat. <laughs> I like I, li- I like staying positive. And it's been eight eight games, eight games, because I think it's the last game of the of the home and home that they lost before the playoff game last year. Yep, that's the one last season. So yeah, that's how far back it goes. Eight games. I looked back and it goes 
it goes back another whole season for the last time before that that we lost, uh, which is kind of cool. And was that was that lost last year? That was at home, right? That wasn't at Barry. Yeah, it was at home. Yeah, it was at yeah. home. Yeah, so how long has it been since we've lost at Barry? Because that's got to be like three years. <laughs> Is it? We need to start doing like a Miners Cup thing for hockey. It's just so I can see how many glorious times we can fit Michigan Tech on a trophy. So we lost on our senior night? I'm pretty last sure, year? yeah. Let me find it here. Yes. We lost at home, you're right. So the last road loss was the last game of the season the year before, March 2nd. 2000 that's my birthday march 2nd 2019 we lost both games to end the season before we got swept at bowling green for the playoffs okay so the so it's been two years almost exactly two years since we've lost a game at Barry. yep that's cool yeah that's that's fantastic i'm a big march fan of that statistic <laughs> so it's been 751 days since we lost at uh, Barry Event Center as of recording right now. That sounds better, doesn't it? But whatever. It's 390 days. That's the name of the episode. Despite that, NMU decided to take a couple digs at us last weekend and find their way to the WCHA championship game after upsetting Minnesota State in the WCHA playoffs. I don't think upsetting is a strong enough word for the absolute behind-the-woodshed beating that they gave Mankato. Yeah, because, I mean, I wasn't really going to talk about this in the Joe Show segment, but on the show today, he did mention that he wasn't surprised that Northern Michigan won. He was surprised that they dominated them. Uh, And it was pretty crazy how, how bad a performance Minnesota State put together. Uh, hopefully... From a conference perspective, they've they've gotten their stinker uh, this time of year out of the way, and they can move on and hopefully do something in the tournament. Yeah, they are like the second biggest favorite, or third biggest favorite this weekend, which is surprising because they're a two seed, right? Yeah, but I we'll get into that later. So yeah, the two seed for them is interesting too. But I said we get into it later, so I'll let that uh, I'll let that yeah. wait. And then uh, Lake State won the tournament, uh, which is pretty cool. Was anybody really surprised that Lake State won against BSU? Let alone won it all. I'm not surprised I, they won I was, it all. Yeah, I'm not surprised they won it all because I feel like if if Northern's getting past. Uh, Mankato, and that's really the big one. I watched that whole game in disbelief, as I'm sure you all did, but I think if they were going to make it, if Northern was the one in the championship game, I felt I immediately felt like as soon as that game was over, all right, the winner of the Lake State Bemidji game is going to be the champion. Okay. Yeah, I think that makes some sense. I mean, they were on a good run, uh, but it's hard to beat three teams in a row that are supposed to be better than you and had a better season. Especially when two of them are arguably the two best teams in the conference, and they had to go through them in order to get there. Yeah, I'm just glad that Northern didn't win overall because I don't think I could have handled that until hockey started up okay. again. In the What's fall. even better is they lost out of the NCAA tournament in the most heartbreaking fashion possible. And that's so no, no, no. Slew lost out in the most heartbreaking fashion possible. 
I mean, I thought we were going to get to that later, but in terms of, you know, normal ways to lose out, that's about yeah. as most heart, as heartbreaking as possible. I don't know. I mean, isn't it more heartbreaking to lose out like how Northeastern lost out on the women's championship by a puck going off their own player in overtime? It like, wasn't, it wasn't an OT game. They didn't, they yeah. weren't in, and I don't felt like Northern wasn't in that game most of the time. It was LSS, no. it was Lake State's game and they just, yeah. they took it to Northern. It was good to see, but it's. It's always yeah, fun to watch I, a team. Do I think a it's run far like that, more though. heart-wrenching to lose a one-goal game when you think you have a chance to win than the way Northern lost this game. But yes, getting that close to making the tournament and yeah. falling short is heartbreaking in itself. I I believe that. That's fair. And if you really want to go down the women's hockey route, my my goodness, that goal is just. <laughs> I couldn't imagine being a Northeastern fan. Like I don't think that girl who that had the puck banked in off her. I don't think she's going to sleep until the puck drops on next season. Yeah, and if she's a senior, she might not ever sleep at all. Yeah, <laughs> and isn't coming back. Who knows? I, I yeah, that was like Rough. it took me until overtime to figure out logins to actually get that game to work. So I got logged in like maybe two minutes before that puck went in, and I got it turned turned on. And because I was trying to, I was at my mom's house for the weekend, and I didn't have ESPN logged in on her. Uh, device on her new Roku TV, so I had to get that all figured out and settled with bedtimes and everything else. So I finally got to watch the end of that, and that was that was heartbreaking to watch. Like to lose a game like that, that's just bad. And it's just Northeastern's just used to losing that way too at the big stage. I mean, that's probably the biggest game they've lost in the history of either program. But even still, to lose it that way, their fans are not surprised, and it's 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 tough. It's kind of tough to see them get, they get that kind of a bounce. Yeah, and it's the only good thing about that to me is that it's still hilarious that Hockey East has never won a woman's title. <laughs> it's been Colgate and the WCHA. Well, after the amount of uh, the amount of crap that was given for the way the tournament thing was selected, having a non-Western team uh, win that would have been retribution for the the selection committee. Well, even though they had three. The WCHA had three teams in the f- final four. I know. Yep. So didn't really expect to go there, but we went there. Uh, so let's move on to the men's tournament, unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about on the WCHA side. I think aside from Northern, that was a, Northern making that much noise. That was almost how we expected it to come out, but the Northern was a huge surprise. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's good to you know one of the other things that I found interesting. Is what? Well, how long have we had this new WCHA now? You guys know offhand? It was the year before I got the text, so it started in 2013. Yeah, 2014, isn't it? I'm sorry. 2013, 2014-14, I believe, was the first season of it. Let me double check that. Yes, 13-14 was the first year of that. So we've now had eight season of uh, seasons of that, and we've had... Five different champions in in seven tournaments. Yeah, it's a little bit better than the uh, you know MSU parade that happens in the regular season. Yeah, and yeah, Minnesota State actually has. Well, they've won it. Well, maybe I do have that wrong. I mean, to Rob's point, I think that's what makes hockey the most exciting sport to watch is that you can have a team absolutely dominate the regular season. That doesn't necessarily mean they're just going to have an easy march to the championship. Oh no, it's four. Sorry, I screwed up one of my things, but it's still like. It's nice to see that four teams have won that. You know, Minnesota State's won it three times, Tech twice, and then Ferris. Uh, 
and Lake State once each. I got screwed up that uh, that uh, my, I was misreading my table that Bowling Green won it two years ago, but they lost to Minnesota State. Um, yeah, it's nice to see that you have that many different teams competing, and then you still have Bemidji State and Bowling Green that haven't won it that are competing for it regularly, you know, like, or or doing well in general. I don't think Bemidji's ever made a championship game, have they? No, they have never. This is... They they have never made the championship. You're right. So It's my hope that they can do, you know, go and pull the opposite that uh, Mankato typically pulls in the playoffs in the national tournament and actually yeah. do well. Yes, I'm I'm hoping that we can end the uh, stigma that the only team in this conference that can win a playoff game in the NCAA tournament is Fair State. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a bad few years, that's for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is funny because Fair State can't even win a, a game period anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They have definitely fallen off. They've basically had three crappy years in a row now. Like night they finished ninth in the WCHA the last two seasons before this one. And then another crappy one this year. So But on to the NCAA tournament. It's nice to see I think, you know, if you take a look and read Dustin's bracket that he made and pretty much every bracket out there, I don't, did you guys see anybody that published a prediction that had three WCHA teams in? I don't think so. Most, I, think I don't think was, any of them did. If, I think, no, nope. I never, I didn't see one. I think Adam Wooden thought three teams would get in, but I don't think he's the one that actually did a bracket for College Hockey News. So I thought it was pretty impressive that despite what we all thought, which I guess was more... Well, like, obviously, we're making a bracket for what we think the committee will do. And I think in the end, the committee honestly did more what we wanted them to do. And I know we had fun arguing on Slack, especially with Ryan Johnson, and, and I don't think Mike was too happy either. But Dustin started digging into some of the numbers that it sounds like the committee did use. And first off, we can start with the fact that a lot of the complaints revolve around Notre Dame who wasn't in the tournament until the topic that came up a little bit earlier, until St. Lawrence's coach was found out he tested positive for COVID, so now the team can't play in the tournament, which finding out, I didn't even realize initially when this happened that it was the coach was the one that tested yeah, positive. So that sucks that even positive. more to think that the players yeah. can't play because their coach tested positive. Uh, that's just got to suck that it wasn't even anything the players did that got their season ended. Not that in the grand scheme of things, winning two games at the end of the year when you won six all year really should get you into an NCAA tournament, but that's how that conference shook out, and they won the auto bid, so they were going. And I like because... the fact that the auto bid throws that level of Cinderella awkward you know, storyline into the, the way the tournament works, though. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. No, I, I don't have any problem with that it's just i think my problem more derives from the fact that there were basically four teams competing so the tournament's only two games even and then it ended up being shaved down even further and that was all the more reason why i didn't really think quinnipiac we talked about how quinnipiac we don't really think deserved because their resume isn't that great they beat up on a bunch of crappy teams they got swept by bowling green who couldn't even make the semifinals of the wcha playoffs despite a best of three in their building 
and it it just wasn't a team that I thought deserved it, especially when they couldn't win yep. the one game they needed to to get the auto bid. I also don't think you should be taking half of a league when that league is, you know, four teams. That to me felt like it was way too much. But why but I don't I don't agree with that part of it, Rob, because like then you shouldn't take half of any league and we took half, over half of the Big 10, virtually half of the Big 10 if you count the fact that Arizona State was a pseudo member this year and we took half of the NCHC. So like that's I I mean if if half half say, isn't for the example issue. yeah yeah if say for example Clarkson had you know a great record they were seventeen five and whatever or something like that and you know both Quinnipiac and Clarkson had great records then nobody would be complaining about taking half of yeah that that's conference. true no no and if and if they just stayed healthy and one of those teams won that conference tournament both of them are probably in and if they had basically dominated everybody but each other. I don't think anybody would argue with that, but they didn't. And then Clarkson's season was cut short and St. Lawrence too. So yeah, like I don't have a problem with the half part because you can't, I don't know. We took half of two other leagues. So how can you turn around and say they shouldn't get half just because they only had four? It's not like they, they only played each other repeatedly, right? They did go into Atlantic hockey, which doesn't mean much and LIU and whatnot, but, like, that part doesn't bother me. I think it's more interesting that, like, Dustin said to me afterwards, like, or during the Slack chat, like, obviously the committee decided to not care about travel. Yeah, that was a joke. They care, They decided not to care about balance. I thought Joe's comments about the selection was interesting, where he made it sound like, like Hockey East was trying to prop up certain teams with the way they scheduled week to week. Yeah, that was an interesting little bit. I agree. Yeah, Hockey East did come up with their own like like their own little stat line to measure Hockey East teams and try to make that as like a tournament criteria, which I thought was interesting. But kind of going back to Quinnipiac point for just a second, what's irritating me the most about them is I think they might be I think they're the most overrated number ten team in recent memory, just based on the resume that you've given out for them. You know, like they haven't really beaten anyone impressive. You know, like they they lost to St. Lawrence in the championship game, and if St. Lawrence didn't get out in literally the most heartbreaking way that you know we talked about earlier, where they their season ends because their coach gets COVID, oh. like I th- don't know if Quinnipiac gets in because that's the one bid that should have been from that conference. Dustin, did um, did they play anybody besides Bowling Green that made the tournament? The only other team they could have played is AIC, right? They played AIC that made the tournament, yeah. Well, did they beat? They swept They swept them. They swept AIC, so they were 2-2 two and two against the tournament if you ignore any games against St. Lawrence. What do you mean by... they? Bowling Green games don't count as in the tournament. Right. Well, okay, sure. But 2-2. Two two, they're 2-0. and oh. yeah. They're 2-0 and oh against teams that actually made the tournament, but they were 0-2. Oh and, and that one team is AIC. Yeah, and that's the Atlantic <laughs> hockey winner, so, like, oh boy. Yeah. It's not like... Quinnipiac runs away with that stat, but that was the interesting stat. I think that you can kind of tell how they decided to break the ties at the end. I think the one interesting question that I have now looking at things is if Bowling Green beats Northern or let's say, let's say Northern wins. If Bemidji State had a good enough resume to get in before the, without beating Lake State, did Lake State have a good enough resume to get in without beating Northern? 
or at least be the team that gets put in when St. Lawrence gets bumped. I think so, yeah. I would say that they did. Based on the way they acted, it sounds like we could have gotten four teams. I think I think if Northern would have beat Lake State, we would have gotten four. And we very easily we very easily could have gotten four teams if Bowling Green beats Northern. I think so. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting to see. Any any real surprises for you guys in the bracket? I know we had some contention about Notre Dame getting in and Nebraska Omaha, but honestly, I think if you I was I, I don't know about you guys, but I was honestly really annoyed with the people in our Slack that were complaining about the bracket because I really felt like if we were on the committee, this is pretty damn close to the bracket we would have wanted to make. Maybe not how they place the teams, but definitely the 16 teams that should be in. That's the biggest thing for me is the placement of teams. I know they try to avoid the interconference matchups. They don't try. They're required to miss them. In only the first round, right? Yep. So you end up with two WCHA teams out in Manchester. Yep. I don't understand why. But you also ended up with Minnesota Duluth and North Dakota in the same bracket. Right. Yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah, that happens. Well, they I have mean, like there's two. Hockey, like I understand us teams. us being upset about it because we only had three teams, but at the same time, like that there's three hockey East teams and two of and BC and BU are in the same bracket. Yeah, I, that happens all the time. I wish they would split that up more. Just from a just from a general make things interesting, play teams that are different kind of perspective. When they, but you still both have to win your games, and let's be yeah. like it's no, agreed. It's, uh, like, I don't really have a problem with that at all. And I think some of that is to help guarantee that there's a better shot at diversity in the Frozen Four because nobody wants what happened in Columbus to happen again. The The other piece is that I don't think there's any... With, with North Dakota obviously going to Fargo as host, Bemidji's screwed as a four seed from ever getting that if they respect the bracket integrity of, you know, the typical American... The uh the American International taking you know the 16th spot like has always been that case right and yeah Atlanta hockey winner is usually yeah it's almost 16. always 16 right so they could have easily they could have easily put Bemidji and Fargo and just said oh yeah Bemidji was they were not large and they were the last one in and we had American International ranked higher yep. than them no I agree I think it's I think <laughs> if there's every year they could have pulled that off this, this is year the works year. right yep. but I think you know that. It sucks for Bemidji knowing, for folks from Bemidji knowing that Fargo's doing fans, I'd imagine, right? It kind of sucks yeah. for, for Bemidji oh, yeah. to have a, a opportunity that's so close and have to go so far instead. But this year is the screwed up year of no fans and weirdness anyways. So what does yeah, it matter? It doesn't matter because yeah. I highly doubt Bemidji fans are getting tickets to Fargo because they'll be so limited anyway. And it was hard enough right. to get them when Tech was there. Yep. And it was a full building. But we'll kind of wrap up here. We'll, uh, I think what we'll wrap up with is kind of some predictions. And I, uh, Eric Vigo tweeted out some money lines yeah, for I the games. I don't know how these work. These are confusing. We'll go through those at the end. Moving on, we've got like five five bits of news that I think we can all kind of roll into one little segment here. We'll start off with the first one. Probably the most recent one was... Was it today or yesterday that Matt Roy signed a contract extension with the the LA Kings? That was yesterday. Yesterday, and we pretty much have assumed that that's the biggest contract ever signed by a former Tech player. Um, 
without doing any kind of research to yeah. confirm that, we're just guessing. Well, I can't. Or without doing, you know, any calculations of, you know, like, how, how much a dollar was worth in the day. Well, yeah, but no, I'm not worried no, about that. that is that, way, nobody cares about way that. Way too complicated. We're, way and we are not talking about the gold yeah. standard, Matt. We're not, we're not going there, okay? <laughs> but, you know, he signed what? Was a three-year, like, nine-point-something million-dollar contract, right? Nine-and-a-half million or something? Yeah, and honestly, he's been... He's been a really solid player for the Kings, and he's kind of unsung just because of how like mediocre to bad the Kings have been recently. But he's been a rock star back there for them. He's been a candidate to be like one of their NHLPA representatives. I don't think he's been there recently, but they he's got a lot of respect on the team. It's kind of cool to see him doing well, and hopefully he's around for a while. It's always nice to cheer for Tech guys for as long as they're in the NHL. It is nice to have tech guys to follow and pay attention to i know i i i like when the wild play the kings and i can sit here and watch a kid that played for tech that i knew you know and all that so that's kind of cool that's the only reason i watch the nhl so yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have more the second bit of news was tanner caro's plan in the nhl and he had a sick goal the other night um i'm sure we'll have matt post the I don't know if there's a, a video. like a, There is. The stars put up a video. I'll put, put it in there. Twitter, but I know yeah. there's a video somewhere. At the very least, we can embed the tweet. If not, get you put the video directly in. It was a pretty sick goal. He, he got the, the goalie to commit one way and basically banked it off the inside of the goalie's pads five hole. It was, it was, you could tell that he was trying to do it too, which was just the way he did it was pretty sweet. So that and he ended up being what the second star of the game that night. Uh, um, that's kind of how I found out he was second star. I heard he was second star on our Discord chat, I believe, and then I googled his name to see like what he did, and the first thing that popped up was the video of the goal, which was pretty sick. The third thing was a news bit that came out two months ago, and I forgot to talk about it at the time, but I remember it, and I posted it in our chat to talk about it and I never got around to it but Jujar Kira was actually featured in Sports Illustrated back in January that's a magazine I've not read in a really long time either yeah yeah it's talked about him being eager to be a role model because he's uh, just the third player of South Asian South Asian descent to make it to the NHL and how much he's he loves being like a you know like a role model to that community and everything else and see if other kids can follow in his footsteps to to make it that far as a hockey player and it's a really good article just talking about how he got to the NHL it talks about his time oh it does mention Michigan Tech even though he only went there June a freshman year right or did he play two years I forget just one um, I don't know oh, it says it's I think it was just one wasn't it yeah, just one. Yeah. And then it talks about how he returned to play junior hockey at the Western Hockey League, but that's because he signed a contract and stupid crap about the timing of him being drafted versus being in college allowed him to go sign a contract and go back to the Western Hockey League, which was a bunch of crap. <laughs> Side. There's my tangent, Matt. But it only took 15 seconds. <laughs> but it's a really good article just about that. I think it's a good thing. We'll post a link to that. I will make sure that Matt has a link to it. So then two other things that I found interesting last week that we didn't get to because we talked for like an hour and a half about Joe Sean's contract issues. So somebody tweeted out, and I forget who, I'll have to find it now, but there's like a, a Twitter account that posted a, a graphic of 
the NCA men's hockey teams generating the most interactions on official social media accounts for the month of February. Guess where Michigan Tech ranked out of the 51 teams that played this season? 48. No, it's top 10. Higher. <laughs> it's like it's like 7th or something like that even. It's, it's yeah, they there. finished 8th yeah. in February. And, uh, you know, kudos to, to Cal Larson and... And in some respects, kudos to all of us that are part of the fan base that actually interact with those accounts. And, you know, I'm guessing we don't have the eighth most fans, but we have people that spend a lot of time liking and retweeting and whatever, because that is complaining, across, uh, complaining yeah, <laughs> across, I think it was Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter were the three accounts that it was counting from. So I think it's pretty cool that for as small a school we have that we finished eighth I think Northern Michigan was also top 10, top 15. I don't know how far down the graphic went anymore. Um, but I thought that was pretty cool that we have such a dedicated fan base. Obviously, part of the reason this podcast works is because that fan base likes this podcast. Um, so, I, you know, I'm pretty proud of that, that we that we get that much interaction on the, the MTU account. And then the other thing that kind of feeds into all of this is that Suzanne Samregret won Division II Athletic Director of the Year this year. Um, and Joe, uh, not Joe, uh, Dirk actually talked to her during intermission of, I think, one of the playoff games, if I'm not mistaken, or previously recorded and used it either pregame or during one of the intermissions. And talked about the whole award thing and and he asked if it was more special to her that she won this award in a year that had all these extra challenges with covid and everything and she said yeah but at the same time it's just nice you know to be recognized and i just thought it was kind of cool to see her recognized because i do think she does a really good job of of running everything up at tech and and maybe we'll try and have her either on a podcast this summer or um have her do one of our patron only chats that might be fun to get her on and talk about everything and i was actually a blast i actually was disappointed that i while we were sitting here i got a tweet notification that somebody tweeted something out about committing to michigan tech and no it is not the the swedish dude that joe talked about today it's somebody that committed to the soccer team so uh <laughs> <laughs> And there's not speaking that I could go I could really go for one of those Chicago style Italian beef sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, th that was kind of all I had. Do you guys have any other tech news that you want to talk about? I don't know. For for a second there I just kind of want to back up cuz I remember like playing like NHL on the franchise mode like when I was a kid and then it would if you would be able to like go in and see like fan numbers, fan interactions and then there would be a little graphic about like how engaged the fans are and it had anything from like a guy frowning to like a guy cross-eyed with a flag and I, it's kind of cool to see that our <laughs> and on, on that scale it seems like our fan base is the cross-eyed guy with the flag yeah <laughs> no. i gotcha no no i think that's cool that they're that that we are that group but obviously i think we all kind of knew that because that's why this podcast worked <laughs> moving on to the joe show Oh, this around. Uh, I had a few things to talk about from the Joe show today. I think we'll start with the returning seniors. Joe made it clear that some of the seniors are returning. 
but he wouldn't name names probably because not everybody has committed to that yet. And we actually got a Patreon or not. I don't know if it was a Patreon. We got a discord question about that. And I'm not sure we will answer it completely because I'm not really in the mood for uh, saying who or what, but Andy Bordeaux wanted to know who do we want, not want back, and who actually comes back. I'm going to focus on the latter part of that, because I think that makes the most sense. But we... If you, if you ask me, how do I get back to... So we had... Uh, Cooper Watson, David Reisenden, Justin Misiak, Grayson Reitmeyer, Tyler Rockwell, Marcus Russell, and Mark Sinclair. Did I get all of them? I think that's all of them, yeah. Uh, so that's who are seniors and can come back. Of that group, I I'm guessing... He's getting Missyak and Sinclair. I think there may be a chance with Rockwell too. Yeah, and and this kind of does probably go into what Andy said that or his question that I think I think the groups are pretty much the same. The only question is that I, I guess I'm going to try and focus not on what I want back, but I, what I think Joe wants back, and that's pretty obvious by who actually played on senior night, right? Like, For sure, yeah. The players that were dressed to play on senior night are the players Joe would like to have back, potentially. I'm not sure For he wants... Argument? I'm not sure he wants Rockwell back, because I think part of it is he probably wants to move on from Rockwell and give Datum a more time and, and bring in some other recruits and everything else and not have a big log jam there and I'd have to look and see who is supposed to be coming in next year so I've got uh, I don't know that's all still messed up because I'd have to redo it based on everything else and who's supposed to be coming in here but we've got six defensemen committed uh, two of them are quite young though, so I'm not too worried about that. But yeah, I don't know who. The big question is: is who does Joe have to bring in next year? Does Joe deal with? Does he have to deal with that situation in other ways that it that he kind of doesn't want Rockwell back? I think it's easier to find room for a couple forwards. Um, versus the on the depth chart right now. I think you made a really great point with, you know, it's really evident with who we want back on senior night. I think the one thing that I would have an argument against with there is I think that if Reitmeyer wants to come back, if he's healthy next year, I think that Joe wouldn't have a problem giving him a spot. I think that's one that it wouldn't shock me too much. I agree. But, yeah. Because there's always a chance that he can rebound, but I, I do think Joe is going to do his best to move on from as many as the of them as he can so he can create less of a log jam. So maybe the, yeah. the Reitmeyer decision comes down to whether or not Misiak wants to come back. But I do really like the opportunity to have Misiak back 
as a senior with that group of current juniors um, or phantom seniors. I don't or phantom. They'll be back as juniors, I guess. I don't know how to, how we're going to deal with all that for the like the next four years are going to be very complicated when it comes to the recruiting grid because we won't know. Um, I mean, the other option option too is maybe somebody like Reitmeyer grad transfers and plays a year somewhere else. But like we said previous, well, and maybe it's St. Thomas for some of these kids or whatever, because the other, like, honestly, on a complete tangent, but a related topic, like, I don't think St. Thomas could be coming in at a better time because their opportunity to get experienced players with varying amounts of time eligibility left has never been better because you could have a kid that graduated in three years that has two years eligibility left. So they could end up with, you know, three, four guys that have one year left, three, four guys that have two years left. And then I don't, maybe they can come across some kids that, uh, are younger that I, cause I don't really understand when the NCA rules change for, uh, eligibility, like when, when are players going to be able to transfer without graduating without a year out? I don't understand if that's going into effect this off season or not yet. Um, but it's going to be very complicated to understand depth charts of the future till this grad, till this extra year of eligibility shakes out because you'll have, lots of players that could stay longer than you might want and and you're still going to have players like Bantle that likely are not going to be here for years so it's a pretty complicated mix now of early departures and longer stays um that could happen here for the next 4 years um but yeah I think you're right Matt that uh, right Meyer somebody that would be considered but I don't see Ryzen and Russell or Watson and I do yeah, I and just... and Joe's made it clear that he wants uh Sinclair back and it makes sense um to to have him back if they can get him to make that to stabilize that position and keep it in good shape I'm sure Caden Bailey and his dad don't really want to hear that but it's the truth of the matter that uh Anytime you can get keep that experience, it's good. Um, yeah. And then, and, and I know I Joe's kind of in a pinch with the way recruiting was this year. That I think it'd be really hard to go out and get a goalie that they're confident in, and then they have to commit to him for four years. At you know, um, so I he has even said that if Sinclair doesn't come back, they'll probably go for a grad transfer to fill that void for a year till they can get back on the recruiting trail and find a proper. Uh, four-year player again i guess to counter that though looking at it from sinclair's perspective he probably had enough experience and minutes and numbers with his huntsville experience if he didn't transfer to tech he probably could have started looking at you know low-level pro offers he may you know maybe sphl echl if he got lucky but now that he's had that one year at tech where he's clearly like, he didn't pose bad numbers at all, but where he's clearly not the guy, that might dampen his resume a bit. 
but does that mean that he wants to try to, you know, make the jump to pro and not worry about it? Does it mean that he wants to stick around, try to nab the top spot again? Is he thinking about grad transferring? Well, again? but and is he, and work, is he but... even going to have, like, he's going to have to make a decision on whether or not he stays at Tech well before there's minor pro teams that even want to talk to him because it's unclear what's going to happen. Like, they're not going to sign what him to a contract even, yeah. now because there's no season. Uh, and he's going to have to make that decision sooner than that. Otherwise, because Joe's going to want to know, like, if he's out, he's out, and he's made that decision to move on and go pro or, or transfer again. Um, but, yeah, it'll – yeah, I don't know. I And, and it sounds like – the most interesting piece of the conversation. Yeah, but I also think the way Joe talked about it, it sounds like Sinclair would be the kind of guy that's – uh, maybe not happy with his role, but happy that he's on a good team and 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 helping, you know, keep P- Pietala honest that he's got competition, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that that's like the first topic from the Joe Show. Um, the next big topic we dug some digging today. Joe dropped that somebody asked him on the show whether or not the fact that we are struggling to get the best of the USHL and that this fan that asked the question didn't think the best of the NAHL or the BCHL was good enough to compete at the level that we want to be at, which I thought was a bit harsh, but I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's wrong, but it's a bit harsh to say that none of them can. I think it's all a matter of perception of timing. Like, I think it's fine to get a commitment from a kid in the NHL or BCHL especially. Like, I think they can play, um, but it's whether or not – I mean, like, Tanner Carroll came out of that league, but by the time he actually came to Tech, he came from the USHL and doing well. So that's kind of the, the deal there. Um, but so from that perception of the question, he, he, he asked Joe if that meant that Tech would be focusing more on – international players like Kataroth and Joe was pretty quick to say that, yeah, we, we are focusing more on that because there's uh, some value there. And if you'll notice, I think that's a lot of uh, Lake States value has come from yeah. international players. And if you'll remember a few years ago, uh, Damon Witten was one of the few people like I think he was the only D1 coach that went over to that college hockey Europe camp or whatever that was. Um, so I think that has probably really helped him develop some connections there and get some prospects out of there. But but the, the I mean the big note note of the sh- whole show, since half of it was about the basketball teams anyway, <laughs> was that. Uh, Michigan Tech has gotten a commitment from a Swedish forward who's six foot four. So Dustin and I spent most of the afternoon trying to dig through elite prospects to come up with who we think it is. And I think we've basically got it narrowed down to two names now, don't we? Yes. And I'm after our previous talk, I, I'm very much heavily leaning into the second one that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but we basically got it down to the one that I thought it was or basically i went through elite prospect and tried to find anybody that was so elite prospects will let me filter by height but not to the inch 
So I did six foot three and above from Sweden uh, that plays forward. And I found a winger named Marcus Peterson, who plays in Malmo, who put up 20 goals last year in the J20 Elite League or Super Elite League. Um, and is almost a point per game player this year for Malmo. And he kind of fits everything Joe said. He's six foot three on here, but it's easy to see how he could be considered six foot four on somebody else's report. But then Dustin, while we were in like pre-recording, is that when you found him or had you found him earlier? Uh, I looked at him earlier, but I didn't, um, you didn't process the two separate teams last year. Right, yeah. 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 It's kind of slipped through the cracks earlier. So go ahead and you can, I'll let you say the name, Dustin. Yeah, so I I went through the, the thought process of the likely, uh, it'd be a high likelihood that whoever the next recruit from Sweden would be would have spent time with Kataroth because I feel like that's a good recruiting tool. If, if Kataroth is having success that you know, one of his buddies former teammates might be interested in coming over too. And so I went with that and it, the name flipped through at first because he played in two different teams last year. So the 20 goal, it didn't look like he had 20 goals last year, but when you added up his stats, he did. And his name is Gustav Portillo plays for Frulunda. He played with, um, with Kataroth on Frulunda last season. And he did score 20 goals last season. He's having a pretty good year this year. He's six foot four, and his older brother is the current goalie for Michigan. So, after the recording of this podcast, he will officially announce his commitment to play at Michigan. Is that what you're telling me? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, that that's our guest now is is one of those two guys. I think. I think Dustin's probably right because I think it makes sense that there's some connection to Arvid Kataroth to help convince somebody to come to Tech, especially when the staff has been unable to travel to Europe and scout these guys or interact with anybody. So I think that makes some sense. I think that's a that was a fun little task that we went on today. I think I think that's great that Joe is reaching out and trying to get more Euro players, I think that's a good direction to go because I think it is one of the the untapped markets where you can, if you can convince a good player to come over, you've got a good shot at creating a pipeline and a good shot at getting players that are better than what you can get here. It's much like British Columbia used to be, you know, 10, 15 years ago where it was more of a free agent situation where now it feels like it's much tougher to go in there and pick out some of the better players that can really impact the college hockey game. And, and it was pretty obvious that Kataroth was a home run. Obvi- yeah. I mean, he was, he was the best freshman that on the team. Yep. Yeah. I would say him freshman and in the conference. Of, and, and one of the best players on the yeah, team. I would say him and Bantle yeah. would be close if Bantle hadn't got hurt, but Bantle getting hurt kind of takes them away from that. I think he but does him- need to work on his face offs though. That did not whole, translate from his European whole, game. The whole mm-hmm. team needs to. <laughs> well, but he was right. He was one of the worst. Like it's one thing to be like forty-eight, forty-nine percent. It's another thing to be like forty-five or whatever the heck he was. It was not great. I got two other things to talk about from the Joe Show. 
Joe took some time again to, when he was breaking down why Lake State was able to beat Bemidji State, he sort of threw the defense under the bus again. Um, it's one of the recurring themes of things that Joe really needs to work on is his, like, the way he talks on the show feels like he's talking to our Patreon group off the record. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't realize the reach he has and the public, like the publicness of the show sometimes. Cause he, I know how he talks about how like the post game show is directed at a certain audience, but he's got to realize that all this stuff that he does on Mix 93 reaches a wider audience than he thinks. And if he says something that's a little off, it's going to get traction, especially from a guy like Chris Dilks. Dustin's favorite. Yeah, Dustin's favorite. Yeah, I, I personally don't care what what opinion Dilks. Has. I know, just but, block him but... on block him on Twitter and be happier with your life. <laughs> I forget what he said the other day that I wanted to talk about. I kind of like to follow him and think about like what you would be saying in your head, Dustin. Like that's kind of what I'm up to whenever I see him come up. <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel better. I just try to type. I want to see what he was up to on Twitter, and I try to type in Dilks, and it came up as dicks. So. So the next thing that we can kind of talk about was uh, it was announced today officially that Colorado College has parted with Mike Havlin, their head coach. So there are now two Division One head coach vacancies, and I will give credit to Chris Dilks for posing the question. So there's two openings, Colorado College and St. Thomas. Which job is currently more attractive? I think it's St. Thomas, to be honest with you. Like, with Colorado College, there's a lot of... There's just a lot going on with that job opening, first of all. Because Colorado College, people forget, because of their recent struggles, is, you know, one of the most storied programs in college hockey. So, with the new coach comes this expectation that they're going to be at least the one that starts building them up towards that path to greatness. So there's a heavy expectation from day one going into that Colorado college job. Whereas they're also getting a new rink next year. They are getting a new rink next year. That does make it, that does, that is a point to Colorado college. I'll give it to that for sure. Especially because St. Thomas still has rink insecurities, but in terms of position itself, I think going into St. Thomas as the new head coach is about, as dream a scenario as you can get as a head coach. If you're willing to put the work in, you're basically building a program from the ground up with all of the guys you want. You get to push for the facilities you want. I mean, cause there just isn't there yet, but yeah, the answer, the answer to the question, is, I mean, it's a caveat of is St. Thomas building a new arena? Then St. Thomas is going to be more attractive, yeah. but if St. Thomas is going to try to, piece it together with not without a new arena and play in their D3 arena and don't they don't have a solid plan in place then I think I'd go to the NCHC school that has a brand new facility. Yeah. The, the, it's definitely definitely a fair point, but in my mind building a program from square one knowing that you've basically got free money for days, a huge alumni base that's going to support you and like not a whole lot of expectation to succeed for the first couple of years as long as you can get some momentum going in terms of recruiting and kind of starting to build that presence in the uh, 
in the Twin Cities area. Like, I think the challenge, like, both both positions are going to be a huge challenge, and it's going to take, you know, a hell of a guy in both positions to really, you know, either turn things around in the case of Colorado College or get things going in the case of St. Thomas. But it's if i if i had if i had a perfect world where i got to pick which scenario i got to step into i personally would pick st thomas if st thomas has an arena let's say year 3 right so that would mean they'd have to announce it pretty soon here that they have an arena plan in place if if they have an arena for the start of year 3 in the conference they'll be top half of the conference by year 3 too yeah I've... that's how that's how quickly St. Thomas could potentially get to that upper echelon of the new CCHA with the built-in advantages that they have with their location, a the potential of a new facility. Um, well, no, I base the money that comes with yeah, that. The, I definitely agree with yes. you, yeah. Yep. What do you think, Rob? I agree. I think that uh, St. Thomas is, is definitely in, in the spot to rocket pretty quickly to being a very good D1 program based on where they're located. Minnesota's a recruiting hotbed. They're in the Twin Cities. And I think you've got some disenfranchisement with kind of how everything's gone with the Gophers over the last, you know, five, six years in terms of fan base where there's the possibility that another school in the Twin Cities could easily take off. So I think St. Thomas is definitely an attractive option. Yeah. And to build on that, did I mean, did you guys see the stat of the – Teams in the NCAA tournament where their players came from. There's a hundred, like oh, like what the Minnesota has like twice as many as the next state. It was more than that. It was like 160 players from Minnesota in the NCAA tournament. And the next was Michigan with like 40. Yeah. Well, to be fair, there's five schools from Minnesota in the tournament this year. So when, but there are a lot of those teams, a lot of those players are not playing for schools in Minnesota. And there's a lot no, of I, talent I know. to be picked off in Minnesota. I know what you're saying, but you, but. When you have five sixteenths of the teams from the state of Minnesota, it's not that surprising that the dominant state for where the players are from is Minnesota. But, but you are right that Minnesota has always been number one in who's got the most players in NCA. That's helped a ton by the fact that Minnesota has this long tradition of not many of their players going major junior. Not that that. And Not that that really would change things, because even if you counted all the kids in Major Junior, Wisconsin and Michigan and Massachusetts still aren't beating Minnesota in participation. And somehow the best player, best Minnesota-born player, ended up on Quinnipiac's roster. <laughs> Who's that? Odin Tufto oh. was a St. Thomas Academy okay. kid. Is he actually from Minnesota? or? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I can do a quick search, but I think he is. I think you guys are all right that St. Thomas is the correct answer as long as St. Thomas shows that they are invested from day one and it's not a some kind of transition period where they're not really going to dump money until they get the, the arena figured out, you know, and that kind of thing. I mean, the biggest thing they have going for, I mean, they already have a recruit. I forget who it is, but... I yeah, made some I comment about how uh, how they have a commitment and don't have a coach yet, and I think the St. Thomas like team account like commented on it or liked my tweet or something. But that was a while ago now. Yeah, that's really interesting to not have a coach and have a commitment already. That to me seems 
That seems very backwards, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes sometimes, yeah. I guess. And Tough I guess, goes from Chaska. Okay. Yeah. And and, I, and to me, this isn't just to, just to take an opportunity to dunk on Colorado College, because I feel like if they get the right guy, they could be a really dangerous program pretty quickly because, you know, they're an NCHC team that's getting a new arena, like, on the horizon very soon here. And with a new coach that's got the right mentality that comes in and says, you know, we're a historic program, we want to build back to that, I think they could definitely be they could be in a dream situation very quick as well. I've got a name for you. I've got a name for you for CC that I think would just be a perfect fit for a historic um, college hockey team based in the state of Colorado, George Guazdecki. <laughs> but like, you see what I'm saying? Like, there's like both situations. I I understand what you're saying, but they have basically become the the bottom feeder that we all knew somebody in that league would yeah. become, right? And yeah, them in Miami yeah, seem to have filled that they're, 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 the, they're the NCHC team that everyone dunks on. You can argue that's Western some years, but definitely Colorado College has been down there. But they have, if they get the right guy, they've got the formula to turn it around. I think both positions are going to take a similar guy, but it, as it stands, as long as St. Thomas can get the facilities and everything else goes as swimmingly as we expect it to, then that would be the situation that I would prefer to go to if I was in, had the, the choice. So we've got Discord question. How many of them well, did I get to? Well, before we go on, I kind of want to I want to go on just a quick... No, we're already at 70 minutes and I don't want two hours to edit. <laughs> Fine. I, I have a recruiting update. What's that? Um... Kyle Kukunen was named to the top 10 for Mr. Hockey, oh, Mr. Hockey finalist, awesome. and he's the second leading scorer in the state behind a kid that isn't a finalist. So he's probably the favorite at this point, maybe second favorite behind the Middlestat kid. But Okay. Uh, Andy Bordeaux asked, will Tech actually play its 100th year schedule next fall? Andy, go back and listen to last week. We talked about that plenty. I think we laid out the whole schedule that we know. We don't know exactly who they'll play in conference, but I actually have like a tweet all ready to go whenever we figure that out. Um, Does anybody think any of the coaches won't be back? Any of the three coaches? For next year? I think next year we, we see status quo. Yeah. I think the only chance would be as if one of them leaves on their own accord. If an assistant decides that they want to take an assistant job somewhere else that opens up or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think the one thing that might be a shakeup is that Dallas Stewart is still a very young coach. I think that if he gets a decent head coaching job like in the Ushul or some league of that kind of caliber, he might leave. But the other factor in that is he has a very young family and they're very comfortable in Houghton, so... I think that's the only one that I could maybe see making a shakeup, but I still don't see that. I think we see status quo. I have a hard time seeing that his resume as an assistant here is enough to... I I guess the best shot is if he just gets a good endorsement from a carry Eads of whoever's in charge of said USHL team. Yeah. I refuse to say however you say that because it's just four letters, Matt. You can say them. You don't have to turn it into some word that doesn't exist. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So then let's see what else we got. 
What's already tr- uh, drunk train Polka wants to know, and that's the the teacher up at Tech, right? And I forget his name already, even though he told us after we botched it last time. What's already churning by, uh, by the CHA for this coming fall, meaning what's already different and better? So the first thing we can talk about that we've mentioned before is the the CCHA is playing a 26-game tur- uh, conference schedule, which is different than the 28 that we traditionally play in the WCHA and the 14 we played this year. So we'll be seeing six or seven of the teams in our building every year and then six or seven on the road every year, which I think is fine. Um It'll be really interesting to see how they decide who we don't play and if they decide that we, we're we going to play an unbalanced home road split season. I think that kind of is has to be the case. I don't know how else you do it. I mean, the only way that I see Tech doing a properly balanced schedule is if this year, because of the one game with northern michigan that they agree to only play northern michigan twice this year but i find that highly unlikely that that's how it actually plays out it does seem like media presence is going to be a bit different as well i know from what we've talked to what we've talked about right hopefully that uh pans out a little bit better we see a little bit more involvement uh from from seeing uh replays during during the night you know a little more twitter activity that type of stuff uh should be better on social media compared to to the current wcha i think yeah yeah and didn't didn't um harrison watt have a tweet i think he might have been replying to you tim about something about being very there's, there's things to be very excited about with the new ccha or something along those lines uh, Maybe he's got inside information that we should. I wouldn't be surprised if he does, since his predecessor's the guy in charge of marketing (laughs) and brand. Go mine that data, Matt. Yeah, Matt, go find out. He's he's a listener. He can just he can just call call Matt and just let him know. He can DM me on Discord too. Yeah, that's fine. So back to the NCAA tournament. The biggest favorite is North Dakota over American International. Rob, you don't understand what those numbers mean, huh? The betting line? No. Yeah. No. Those so the, so the money me. line means you have to bet. So for North Dakota, Dustin, tell me if I'm wrong here. But here, Let me pull it up so I know what I'm looking yeah. at quick. So for North Dakota, it's with a minus sign in front of the money line. That means North Dakota, you have to bet $445 to win 100 bucks. Correct. So what is the second set of for numbers in- off the end there then? So the second set of That's numbers it. is the over under of total points. So they're saying there's there's going to be five and a half goals scored in the game. Do you think there'll be more or less? So, oh, so there's total saying, goals in the game. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. but the the plus minus means if it's minus, it means that's how much money you have to bet to win a hundred dollars. A plus means if I bet a hundred dollars, that's how much I'll win. So on the on right. the American International North Dakota game. You bet a hundred or four hundred and forty-five dollars on North Dakota, you win a hundred if they win. You bet a hundred bucks on American International, you win three hundred and fifteen bucks if they win. And that's straight. 
that's no spread, no none of that, because hockey's you, hockey. You don't bet against yeah. the spread. Spreads that's are, dumb. Spreads are stupid in hockey. The games are too close, and empty netters can screw it all up, and all that stuff. There's no point in betting spreads in hockey. That's the thing is that I've found, even though I'm not a basketball fan, it's much easier to bet basketball because the team that's favored on paper wins almost every time. That's what that's where you're making your money. <laughs> well, but the money line on on most sports is I don't know. Most people don't bet the money line on not hockey. They bet the spread because that's where you bet a hundred and win a hundred, even if it's the or whatever. But then you pay fees. But yeah. If I'm reading these right, then the only one that there really is a toss-up in the minds of the people that are drawing the betting is the Michigan-Minnesota Duluth game. Correct. Because they're both minus. Yep. 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 That's basically, yeah, that's That's basically a toss-up. 50-50. Yeah. All right. So who do we think, who are the four teams that are still standing after this weekend? Well, let's go bracket by bracket. We're picking our frozen fours. Let's yeah. go bracket Pick by bracket. Let's, now. Let's, let's start off in Fargo. Okay. Who who comes out of Fargo? Duluth. Ugh, gross. North Dakota, even grosser. <laughs> I think North Dakota. So I'm picking North Dakota. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking, I'm picking North, Dakota. North Dakota. They are too good and they're at home. I can't. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing that. I think they've had too much air blown in their tires, and their team is not going to take the tournament seriously as they should. I think Duluth comes out of it. I I accept your belief in another disagree, team, but I disagree I don't with think it. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I accept that you have a different opinion, but I thoroughly shit on it. <laughs> I just don't think Minnesota Duluth has been riding way too high, and it's. I would really like to see them I lose. Ju- I don't want to hate on the fan base, but I just. I mean, I will. Sure. See, the thing is, I look at the four teams. They're annoying as shit. <laughs> See, the thing is, though, I look at the four teams in there, Love and there's you, only baby. one. Te- there's yeah, only right, one team exactly. in there. There's only one team in there I genuinely like, and they're the Yellow Jackets. Yeah. And then I look at those four well, teams and realize well, pick which, which pick one. Pick them. You pick Duluth. You know what? Put your money where your mouth. Is. I'm gonna pick the Yellow Jackets to win it. <laughs> Let's go. AIC shock the nation. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. So Loveland, Colorado, Minnesota, Nebraska, Omaha, Quinnipiac, or Minnesota State. That's the Gophers. Easy. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Gophers. I'm going full homer on this one and saying Minnesota State finally gets their shit together in the NCAA and, and makes the final You're very correct. Minnesota Duluth. I don't want to no, pick the Minnesota. Gophers. But. Minnesota State loses to the worst 10 seed of all time, and Minnesota stomps on them. I don't think that's just the story of that series. No, I think it's finally it's finally their time to realize what's going on. I think Minnesota State finally wins a game. I'm just trying to decide if I want to join yeah. Rob on okay. the full homer bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all can be wrong about that one. It's never Minnesota State. Right. I'm going to take Minnesota State. Because <laughs> I just can't. I just I can't I pick the Gophers. The I just can't pick them. Finally, do well in in there, and I I think they're the best chance at it. All right. What about Albany, Notre Dame, Boston College, Boston University, or Saint Cloud State? It's BC. I feel like I I feel I'm making huge mistakes here if I'm picking every single one seed. That's never happened. I mean, I feel that too, but like the thing is I already broke down this bracket for you is that Boston College called the tournament and said we want to dunk on Notre Dame and be the better Catholics this year. And then you've got St. Cloud and BU. 
And St. Cloud's not making out of the first round. History's telling us that. So it's going to be the all-Boston final, if you're asking me. And I just don't think BU has a firepower to take down BC this year. I'm saying St. Cloud. I, I was... I, I was on BC to win the whole thing earlier, but I'm changing my mind. I'm I'm going to switch it to St. Cloud. Uh, so what did you pick, Rob? I haven't picked it. I'll go last this time around. Okay. <laughs> All right. I just wasn't sure if you're going yet. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Dustin and take St. Cloud. I just think the West is that much better. I mean, Boston College could... Uh, Dustin's right that he was on that bandwagon earlier and it's, he's just, it's just as possible that BC wins it all, but I, I'm going to take St. Cloud cause something's going to happen in that bracket that we don't think should. Yeah, I don't know St. what Cloud it is. Losing first round. Well, no, we think that should happen, <laughs> but I don't know. I think that, that, uh, it's time for the, the teams on the Schneid to get off of it. Both of them. So, uh, yeah, that's what I got. Rob, you guys forget St. Cloud did make the Frozen Four the last time it was in Pittsburgh. Oh, because that's that matters. Just like Bowling Green putting well, up their whole senior stats for their. You act, you act like they've <laughs> never won a game before. They've they've made the Frozen Four before. I mean, yeah, sure, but... we've made the Frozen Four before. Does that mean that if we were in this tournament, that we'd be talking about that? I mean, I'd pick us to I go mean, there just because we I... probably would. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> right, Rob, what are you picking? I'm gonna go with BU to come out of that one. I think it, that's a, that's a surprising bracket, and I can't pick against the East the entire time. Okay, so I think I think BU comes out of that one, and it's a Boston Boston semifinal. Notre Dame and St. Cloud State lose. Yeah. All right, saving saving the best for last. The the double WCHA bracket in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which I believe is being played with no fans, right? I believe so. Yeah. Who wants to go first this time? I've already gone first. I have to. I think it's you, Rob. Bemidji State, Wisconsin, Lake Superior State, or UMass? Yeah, it's in front of me here. I don't know anything okay. about UMass, so I, I don't know what to say about them. I don't I don't think one of the WCHA teams makes it out of here. I think Bemidji and Wisconsin is a frustrating game, and maybe Bemidji's got a chance there with, you know, like we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But I think, I don't know, I'm going to go with Lake State. I'm going to pick two WCHA teams to make the Final Four just because it would piss everyone off so incredibly much. I would love just to see the massive amount of saltiness that comes from North Dakota being the only NCHC Big Ten team in the Final Four. I struggle with this regional as well. And for me, it's because I feel like if Bemidji State moves on in this bracket, then this season in my eyes is validated to me as, you know, like, you know, we had the COVID season, we got into, like, Tech got into the playoffs, and we lost to a team that got into the Frozen Four. Like, to me, I kind of want to see them win. But at the same time, I value Minnesota hockey fans hating me more than anything. So I want them to lose to Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think I've got, I think both WCHA teams lose in the first round here. And I hate to say that, but I think it's a Wisconsin-UMass final. And to me... Like, I just like picking the underdogs for picking UMass to come out of this one over Wisconsin. All right. You want me to go first or before you, Dustin? Sure. I've got we, – we talked about this a little bit on Slack, so I think it's important to bring it up now. I think 
If you had told me that Bemidji State and Lake State would be in the bands that they were in, I don't think you could have asked for a better opponent for the style of play that they are. Yeah. Like, Wisconsin and Massachusetts kind of got screwed from that standpoint of who they get for where they're ranked. Um, But at the same time, I have a hard time believing both of them will win, which means one of them gets through. Uh, So I'm leaning towards a UMass-Bemidji State final with UMass winning. Now watch, when I fill out my bracket for our challenge, it'll be completely different, but whatever. Yeah, I feel like I've got yeah. to fill out in accordance to what I've said here. Like, I've got to go no. through and re- re-listen to what I've said and make sure that I'm not, like, throwing anyone a curveball by picking someone completely different. Every yeah. I fully reserve the right to change my mind between now and when I fill up my bracket. For I'm going to go ahead and do that, too, but I'm I'm also going to say <laughs> that I'm going to do my best to keep it as close to what I said here as I said. Maybe I'll reassess later, but... I kind of like what I've said here, and Dustin and Peer Pressure being the AIC, so I'm definitely picking them to win that regional. But that's about all, all I can right. promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm going to pick Lake State. I think I think a WCHA team makes it the Frozen Four. I think that I mean that makes me sound crazy because it just doesn't happen. And I didn't pick Mankato earlier, so. I'm picking Lake State. I think it would be amazing for the conference if one of these three teams can make a Frozen Four going into the new league and setting that standard. But I think we've gone long enough. Uh, I don't think there was anything else I really wanted to talk about. Uh, So even though Matt thought we wouldn't have enough content this week, so he dug up rando questions about favorite songs that have something to do with rainfall made in the 80s and 90s, well, that's got. We're going to be done for the week. That's got to that, be total you know, Africa. Well, I'm pretty <laughs> sure Dustin would say Purple <laughs> Rain. <laughs> it's raining. Purple Men was also it, a good yeah. one that was brought up, but the the only the only one that There's I want. So many good ones. Yeah, songs about precipitation. November between, rain. November rain. November rain. It's true, but like the only one that I really want to touch on from the stupid questions that I was asked is that if milk had pulp like orange juice. Would you still want to drink it, and why? No, I'd be done. That's no, disgusting. we're done. That's just kind of cheese. Well, that should do it for this episode <laughs> of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. <laughs> Please check out our Patreon by joining uh, patreon.com slash Guide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the white level or above get access to the monthly Zoom chats featuring guests like John Scott, Joe Sean, Brad Patterson, and more to come. Uh, thanks again to our newest patron, Richard Hall, for signing up during last week's recording. Give you another shout out for that. Uh, he signed up at the black level. You should too. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod at, or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through our email address, chasingmac at techhockeyguide.com, or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasingmacpod. The first person to submit an audio question will receive an authentic MTU jersey patch. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more we you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach, so tell your friends. 
As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. Did you guys see the note about the outro music today? I saw someone thought, Discord. Yeah, someone panicked about it. Yeah, because it was pouring out, it, it and, the, like and the ocean yeah. wave sounds at the end of the song made him think something was, <laughs> was flooding leaking. in his house. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> That's funny.